Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. Uh, we're missing Javier today. He had to do some keep on working at his job. You know, we got to pay those bills. And so um, I'm soloing it today, like in the early days. I'm very excited to be bringing on to you a woman I met a couple of years ago. Um, let's go ahead and bring her on here. Her name is Maureen McDonald, and I'm going to go ahead and read just a little bit about her. So she's been a holistic, nutritionally oriented RN for more than 40 years. No, that's not possible, Maureen. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you started in kindergarten. In 1993, after working in labor and delivery, pediatrics, and teaching natural childbirth classes, she began organizing conferences focused on natural ways to raise healthy kids in a toxic world. For 10 years, she was the national coordinator of the Defeat Autism Now conferences. Maureen also served as the health editor of WNC Women magazine for seven years. In 2008, she co-founded Saving Our Kids, Healing Our Planet, and for three years, she was the medical coordinator of the Imus Ranch for Kids with Cancer in New Mexico. In 2019, Maureen called together 52 thought leaders from various like-minded organizations for a three-day mountain retreat summit with the explicit intention of building collaboration, strength, and effectiveness within the vaccine risk-aware and health freedom movements. Subsequent to this gathering, Maureen founded Millions Against Medical Mandates, uh, MAM.org, which is an organization that works in collaboration with CHD, Health Choice, and many other health freedom groups to end unjust and insane medical mandates. She now serves as the executive director of MAM. Welcome to an informed life radio, Maureen. Thanks so much. It's so great to be here. Yeah, and I think back to 2019, that's, that's when we met, mm -hmm. but we met on the phone because my my mother was um, ill at the time, and, and I think Pop might have been still with us, and so I was unable to travel, but that's when I first had great conversations with you on the phone, and, you know, we've been in touch ever since. Mm -hmm. Now you're a neighbor. Yeah, now a neighbor because she's in North Carolina and I'm here in Tennessee. And uh, but I'm just so grateful for you for your long history um, of working to protect children and your long history now of attempting to organize to herd cats, as it were, <laughs> and, and to bring us together in a unifying way um, so that we're all strong as individual activists, as individual groups, and yet communicating. You've you've really played a vital role when COVID hit, there you were already, um, you having brought a lot of us together. Um, so, you know, if you could explain to me what I really, my purpose in bringing you on, not only because you're wonderful and you need to be heard and people know, need to know about your work, but through all of COVID, Tens of thousands, if not millions of individuals have woken up to the problems of the capture of public health, to the problems with the oversight agencies, 
um, with with products, with medical freedom, with informed consent. And it seems like so many of these new people in groups um, charging full ahead, which is fabulous, but they are not fully informed, as it were, on the history of what they entered. And what we're seeing like in Washington state, where I'm still very active, still, you know, on the board of Informed Choice Washington, um, mistakes are being made sometimes because there's not that history of understanding of what they're stepping into. And I think it's so important for individuals like you who've been in it for a very long time, that the newcomers are aware of you and aware that that working with you and others like you and bringing in your experience before rather than later to prevent some mistakes is absolutely essential to success moving forward. Um, so if you could help take listeners and viewers on your journey a bit. So, you know, kind of let's start at the beginning. You went to school to be a nurse, you know, and then something changed, though, along the way from what you were seeing in traditional medicine. Can you um, give us a... Sure. Well, it actually, um, while I was in nursing school, I actually became involved in a meditation community back in the 70s and uh, late 70s. And, and it was in that community I met people who were really into uh, healthy eating and um you know, they were just into positive thinking. And a lot of the women in that community were having home births. And that sort of was a juxtaposition to my training in hospital nursing. And then I worked in, I started out in labor and delivery. And then I worked in newborn nursery and postpartum and pediatrics. So it, ha- it was like this, this diametrically opposed worlds that I was living in. One was focused on, you know, nutrition and natural birth and, and natural ways of healing. And the other one was focused on, you know, the over medicalization of birth. And we started giving, um, you know, the hep B to kids in the nursery on day one in their late eighties, early nineties. So I, I was just seeing these diametrically opposed, um, ways of, of living. And, um, obviously, well, not obviously, but I chose the one that made the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I, that was, I guess I've always been a rebel, but that was really the beginning of my rebellious um, stage in nursing anyway, was questioning um, the hospital care, the over-medicalization of the birth experience, um, the lack of information that we shared with parents on um, on natural birth and breastfeeding and, and organic foods and herbs for healing and those type of things. So that was really the beginning when I when I was witnessing this community like of thriving, uh, healthy people uh, versus um, the patients I was meeting in the hospital. I really began to take a deep dive because I grew up on you know Oreo cookies and bologna sandwiches, so I certainly had no concept of what healing was all about. But I took a deep dive into learning more about um, living in harmony with nature and um, birthing naturally. And I began studying people like Ina Mae Gaskin and spiritual midwifery and, and uh, Mendelssohn who wrote the confessions of a medical heretic, the pediatrician way back Mm -hmm. in the seventies and eighties. And um, just really made so much sense to me that 
you know, we're in this phase of life where every, for every ailment, there's a drug and we just go, okay, you know, I have a migraine. I'll take this. I have stomach upset. I'll take this drug. I, you know, I have a swelling in my leg. That must mean I need, uh, you know, intense medical intervention. And, and it just like, doesn't make sense to me. I just think um, that, and now with COVID where for every virus, we need a vaccine and, and then a booster. And I think people, I know you're a big advocate of the terrain theory, as am I. And I think people have really lost their way from uh, living in accordance with the natural rhythms, with Mother Nature, with, you know, understanding how nutrition can heal us, how listening to your body when it has some type of ailment is one of the best things you can really do to tune in and find out well, what's the underlying reason why I have these migraines or why I developed irritable bowel syndrome or why my child has recurrent ear infections. You know, there's, there are root causes that mm-hmm. um, we're not taught. I wasn't taught in nursing school and most physicians aren't taught in medical school. So I, I really aligned myself with that philosophy and doesn't seem that long ago, but when I say I've been a nurse for 40 years, I, I have been a nurse for 40 years. So I watched the evolution and I was so naive back then. I thought, well, by the time 2020 came or 2022, the world would have caught on to how much common sense this makes, you know, to really uh, to trust in those natural modalities. But that's not what happened. No. Um, became more and more influenced by big pharma and they've basically taken over the entire um, medical world and, and all the healing modalities to the point where schools of public health and nursing schools and certainly medical schools, they're so heavily influenced by if there's an ailment, there's a drug. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the way I think um, people can heal. No, but it it is a, a really good financial model. And yeah, brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Fear of disease um, is very lucrative. Mm-hmm. You know, you you sell a lot of products when you have people being fearful. And then when you train them that the only approach is their products to protect yourself and, and their products to heal yourself if you do get sick. Um you know, but the as we've all been saying, the the beauty of COVID is the everything that's been exposed, the overreach when the blatant censorship of safe and effective um, repurposed drugs like ivermectin and um, and nutrients, the silencing of that by our own. Um, agencies by the NIH and the FDA and the CDC and the public health agencies are absolutely silent on it. It has exposed that everything has been captured. Um, And it's, yeah, you, you just sort of echo the journey of so many people of, of watching common sense be shoved aside. Um, I just wrote those two words down to remind myself common sense. Yeah. Not so common. (laughs) <laughs> no. And, you know, it, it seems like in the in the whole medical system, so many doctors and nurses, um, they're being trained not to think critically or to think on their own, but just to do the protocol and be quiet and have no questions. Um, but we're seeing a lot of brave doctors and nurses just say, I can't do it. The next hour um, is a nurse who's here in Tennessee who's become very active and she walked away from her job 
rather than violate um, medical ethics, mm -hmm. you know, to do what's right and then speak about it. Um, so yeah, a lot going on there. So that's where you, that's where you entered COVID with eyes wide open and working really hard. The world pretty much not wanting to listen to us, right, Maureen? Because, right. Um, you know, when you capture the media and you make anybody willing to speak up about reforms that are needed, you call them anti-science, anti-vaccine, nut jobs, flat earthers, whatever. You get nobody wanting to pay attention to you. Mm -hmm. Then COVID came along and the the fraud and the corruption and the harm of not using common sense right. <laughs> uh, made people furious. Mm -hmm. And when you watch somebody you love die and you weren't able to help them, you couldn't get them what they needed because of it, you yeah. become bolder and braver, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, for some reason, I, I think I call it divine guidance. Um, the idea of collaborating and building unity in our health and freedom movement came to me or through me <laughs> pre-COVID. Yes. And, and I really, I, I, I just can't even believe that happened because I was, you know, having grandkids left and right and kind of starting to chill out a little bit. And then I got this, it was beyond an impulse. It was, you know, direct guidance to gather the thought leaders from the health and freedom movement and the vaccine risk aware movement and bring them together to see how we could all work together um, to be stronger, more effective, have a bigger impact on the world. And then COVID came and it's like, as you said in the beginning, uh, I'm really glad that conversation started and now it's continuing. A lot of people are really understanding that if if we're going to wake the world up, mm -hmm. we, of course, you know, death by a thousand cuts. We, we're all doing incredible work on our own, but really um, building that unity, supporting each other when when one of us is is hit or defamed, being there for that um, doctor or parent or whatever. And um, I, I really I feel so strongly that that unification is, is the key to us winning this, uh, this spiritual slash information war. It, it really is an information war, a spiritual war. I'm, I'm showing viewers now the website millions against medical mandates and it is M A M M.org. So I encourage uh, listeners and viewers to go check this out to, to see all the resources. Um, Maureen, you want to point out a few things that are available that we're seeing on the home screen? Yeah. Well, one of them is recently I did a um, webinar with three medical doctors on COVID and kids, and we went through the Johns Hopkins list of why, um, you know, why they're saying children should receive the vaccine and we should be all afraid. And and the, I asked these three doctors to dispel those uh, myths, basically. So that webinar is right on the home page there. Also, the five docs. Um, mm -hmm. This is where once a month I interview Dr. Sherry Tempany, Dr. Lee Merritt, who's an orthopedic surgeon, but also uh, 10 years as a naval commander, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Christian Northrup, who we all know and love as being the you know world-renowned expert on women, what can go right with women's bodies, mm -hmm. uh, OBGYN, and Dr. Carrie Madday, one of the top experts in, in vaccines and the problems they can cause, and also Dr. Larry Pileski, who's um, now being called the most important holistic pediatrician on the planet. Mm 
So once a month, I get to interview them. And all those episodes are on the MAM website. And um, the other thing we do is we formed a collaborative communication committee. So there's a lot of individuals from different organizations, because I won't do anything unless it's collaborative. Mm. (laughs) And so we bring together different organizations, different representatives, and we create messaging um, for the movable middle. Uh, We try to educate and equip them with tools and inspire them. And um, it's really a wonderful group. So there's so many um, flyers and videos and films on this website um, that really help uh, empower uh, a person from the movable middle who's who's scratching their head saying, okay, I haven't been in this for 40 years, but I know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we do a lot. We're in the process of revamping our website because what happened was we developed so many flyers and so much messaging that um, our little one page website where we started right after the Asheville summit has become a major resource center. And I'm, I'm really proud to say that we're so effective that we were named by the um, center for countering digital hate as one of the top (laughs) of misinformation along with CHD and ICANN and and so that tells me we're over the target. Yeah. That, that, odd center for digital hate that's comprised of one person you know paid by big pharma paid for by big pharma um they even they even went out to washington state and addressed uh you know some health um public health uh conference there it's just it, it we are in the strangest war of words yeah. of language of perception Right. You know, if you if we can get people to just bring things back to hard, concrete data, information about products, about, you know, real health and healing, there would be no controversy. And it's just it's the it's really the strangest war of perception that is going on. Um, And, you know, the the censorship is pretty intense and it's uh, very difficult to get information out there. What what I have found amazing is um, I will run, be somewhere in the United States, like when we were doing our big uh, move across the United States, and I'd get to talking to somebody and they knew, you know, A, B, and C. And I'm like, that's fantastic. You know about that? And then I would mention, say, the high wires, CHD, and they'd never heard of those before. Mm. Like, how could you have, you knew this, but not that? And, you yeah, know. Censorship is unreal. Yeah. Um, when we first got to this this little town in, in Northeast Tennessee, even before we moved into the house, I ran in, there was somebody in, um, came into the hotel where we were staying. And they had seen the high wire magnet on one of our vehicles. And this guy comes in, he says, is that y'all vehicle out there? Is that the high wire? What's that? So we told him what it was about. He must have suspected something, you know. And he says, oh, yeah. And he started talking to us. And he says, you ever uh, listen to that Dr. Rose, that Dr. Jessica Rose? He had never heard of the high wire, but he had, yeah, he knew about Jessica Rose and her fabulous work. It was amazing to me. And this is this was like a handyman guy who just helped fix things at the hotel and did this and that. And the the level of knowledge is 
and information is seeping out in all these oh, places. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating. You know, two years ago when I'd go out and give a talk about any people were just, well, they'd look at you like you had three heads and they were very mis or ill-informed. Now I go and I'm like, look, I don't have all the answers. Most of you know as much as I do or more. So let's do this together. And I just gave a talk last Sunday. It, that was the the situation is people are really doing their research and they're really finding alternative um, news networks and uh, getting the information about, you know, what's in the vaccine and why masks are dangerous and effective treatments and why to avoid the trip typical protocols they're doing in hospitals and why the mm -hmm. testing is so inaccurate. And man, it's so exciting because, you know, had it not been for COVID, we, you know, I've been waiting 30, 40 years for, for people to wake up and, and this really has shaken people to the core and, mm -hmm. and made them look for deeper answers. They're mm -hmm. not buying the narrative. No, they're not. And people are getting um, brave and loud and standing up and taking action and sometimes making personal sacrifices in order to do that. Did you hear that today Pfizer announced yes. they were pulling their request? So for listeners who haven't heard it yet, um, Pfizer had filed at the request of the FDA to file um, what I forget. An authorization. They wanted to get yeah. authorization for six month olds, as young as six month olds, to receive the COVID injections, a, a series of two. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's God's intervention or result of the fact that we all rallied. Um, CHD put out a wonderful, um, you know platform for us all to mm -hmm. work from and send letters and then stand for health freedom did a great petition yes. and then ma'am we put out a whole bunch of stuff and so i think i'm hoping i'm praying that the withdrawal of that petition by pfizer to the mm -hmm. fda had something to do and you know what even if it didn't i think we should claim victory <laughs> I, I think so too, right? I mean, it was just so unethical. They're, the Pfizer yeah. study, not only they're dangerous, I mean, but the study didn't even show that it was effective in, in the children antibodies, yeah. with, with, with two doses. Um, I'm looking now at the federal register where you could enter your yeah. public comment about the possibility of doing this. And it's up to 38,856 yes. comments. And I think that's at the low end. I think there's more than it going to be yeah, coming in. More. Yeah. So, but April is about when they're going to be getting results in. Um, well, we hit it. The, the absurdity of it is we hit them hard the last time when they were, they were uh, authorizing for five to 11 year olds with, I believe it was 400,000 and mm -hmm. they still unanimously voted to, to, um, to approve or authorize for five to 11 year olds. So, yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I don't know what this is. Maybe a temporary stay uh, could be, you know, a ploy. I, I don't know, a distraction, but um, I'll take it as a, a, a temporary victory. <laughs> yeah. And we can't lose sight of the, uh, we still have to push that really big boulder up the hill. We have a lot of work to do on a lot of fronts, but mm -hmm. for whatever reason, that, that feels like a really positive thing in, in our favor. Yeah, it does. They know we're watching. They know that the um, the judges continue to say, no, you cannot delay. You have to hand over 
all of your data from the clinical trials, you know, and maybe that has them scared because what we've seen so far of the newly released um, data from their trials looks yeah. really bad, yes. you know, more all cause deaths, you know, higher mortality in the, um, in the vaccine arm than in the placebo right. arm. Right. And, you know, you just wonder how long they can continue on this route. Now we know that they're in the process, when I say they, the powers that be, <laughs> are in the process of changing the narrative and deciding they're gonna end this phase of whatever it is they're trying to do for the Great Reset. And um, it's so funny and yet infuriating to see the about face Mm. media saying cloth masks don't work. And it's so funny. At first they came out and they said, cloth masks don't work for Omicron as if it worked for other mm. viruses. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, it was very the, yeah. The best thing about masks that I, I just love, you know, I I'm here in a, you know, very liberal progressive area. And I moved here because I just thought people were so open-minded and really, you know, questioning life and the government and well, people just walk around with these masks on and then they go into a restaurant and it's just sitting there on their table yeah. or they're hanging it from their windshield in the car. Like I, I just, <laughs> I, I'm like, does anybody really understand if there is a germ theory, they're certainly not uh, doing anything to minimize the spread of germs. No. And it's, it's just, there's so much insanity. I just have to like, uh, well, I have a glass of wine. <laughs> I hear you. I'm, I'm just having tea until after the show. But, Good for you. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's focus now on what, you know, what communication needs to happen. What can we do? Um, you've got so much information. I'm not even sure where to begin, but we want to reach out to people new to the movement and help guide them. Okay. Um, well, I, I'd love to start with what I was about to say in Washington, D.C., when uh, I went to the march to defeat um, the mandates, and I was scheduled to speak, and for many reasons, thing, the electricity got cut off, and several of us didn't get to say what we were going to say. But I think one of the most important things when you're, I guess, an old-timer like me, is that I've seen so many vaccine-injured children and their parents try to educate the public on how real vaccine injury is. And they've been gaslit and they've been vilified and they, you know, really have been through hell, um, but they've learned so much. You know, there's so much we've learned about what has improved um, the health and behavior and development of these children. We've, um, you know, we've learned from the physicians who have cared for these families and these kids and we've learned from their mistakes. But unfortunately, this new um, breed of, of COVID vaccine injured, they don't know about these people that came before them. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I wanted to do in DC briefly was to, very briefly, I had two minutes to speak, yeah. but I wanted to try to help bridge the gap between these two, uh, this these populations, because they can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. There's a whole 20, 30, 40 year history of, um, of real heroes, you know, Dr. Bernie Rimlin, Dr. Sherry Tempany, you know, Lynn Redwood, Andy Wakefield, Barbara Lowe Fisher, and then the thousands of parents 
who have walked, blazed this trail that the health and freedom warriors are walking on today, but they wouldn't real. they don't know that all this history exists. No. So um, any of these people that, and definitely the the COVID injection and and its ingredients are very different than um, the previous childhood injections that many people have been injured by, but still there are lessons to learn um, how to avoid the gaslighting, you know, how to um, gather with like-minded people and, mm-hmm. and learn from each other about strategies that work and find physicians who are willing and daring enough to enter those uh, zones with the parents and the vaccine injured um, to try to understand the physiology of what happens when a person is vaccine injured. So there's so many lessons that there's a rich history there. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm just, that was my message in Washington was just to honor the trailblazers and to say that we need to, co- again, collaborate. We need to come together to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the benefit would be, it would be a win-win situation. So mm-hmm. we talked about doing a summit where we bought, brought some of the um, the folks who have been walking this trail for 20, 30 years together with the newly vaccine injured. I'm not sure how that's all going to play out. Um, I just am writing to someone at um, at the high wire about the same question, but somehow I, I, I think this is really important because when I was at the DC March, um, I did, we did receive ma'am, the few of us from ma'am were there. We received several texts from families who have had um, vaccine injuries from childhood vaccines, and they felt they weren't represented at this march. They mm-hmm. weren't mentioned. Um, they're not really known, and no. I think that's that's unfortunate, a shame, mm-hmm. and something that we have to we have to change. Yeah, exactly. And I'm so glad that you're on the show today and I'm going to be bringing on others and I'm calling for lack of a better term, all of the long haulers mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. steal from COVID to, to come on and you're still at it. And um, it, it's so important with, with the other vaccines that have been out there pre COVID, the way I described it is, and the way they could hide the injuries is it was, you know, when a plane crashes, you can't hide it. Right. Right. People died. It was visual. It was all in one place. The media covers it. There's no denying. And that's probably why um, uh, flying is one of the safest ways to travel is because you just can't, you know, it, it's it's such a huge event when a, when a plane crashes right. and the safety oversight and everything is intense. But when a thousand children die in a day, perhaps, or seriously injured in one day in the United States, now I don't know the number, you know, I, I hopefully I'd love somebody to be able to pull, figure out those numbers. It doesn't happen all at once and it doesn't happen on TV. It happens very quietly, either in a doctor's office or at home that night or the next day or a few days later, right? That, that these injuries and the deaths appear. Mm-hmm. Nobody sees it. It happens silently. If a tree falls in the wood and there's nobody woods and there's nobody there to hear it, did it actually happen? But with COVID, with the shots, they are so dangerous, so immediately dangerous. And 
and harming so many people um, that it's becoming like little plane crashes everywhere. Everybody has a loved one they know harmed, hospitalized, or killed um, by one of these shots. And mm. they're getting so they cannot hide it anymore. And yeah, so those those injured by the COVID shots who were just oblivious to what went on before, that's what they kind of have to know. They have to know that these injuries are real and it's it happened before. And um, and, you know, and then like I love that, like just a few years, maybe they pulled the plug on this whole coronavirus great reset <laughs> early before they were really ready. Because of the great work you are doing with ma'am, the great work that the Vaxxed team were doing with the Vaxxed mm-hmm. buses and, and the documentaries, yes. the great work of ICANN that showed mm. that the, the 1986 act had, the promises of that act had not been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And the shots, you know, we, we had no placebo-controlled studies and all that. We've got a wonderful white paper. So the truth was being revealed and it was getting out there. Um, yeah. yeah, so I love that you're you're planning something to try to pull all of these groups together. And it, are you going to focus like on maybe having one event where it's injured meeting injured? Well, I don't know. I mean, MAM is just... Um, uh, it's a small organization. I'm, I'm not sure anything, any big idea I come up with, I go to CHD and we collaborate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But like I said, I didn't give that talk in DC. I'm not able to come to the defeat the mandates March in California. So hopefully this message can get out um, through mm-hmm. other channels and we'll see what that evolves into. But those were some ideas that people were coming up with to, bring the two groups together and especially the physicians, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the physicians who were in in Washington, the frontline doctors who are trying, they're, they're so upset because they're not, they don't have, their hands are behind their back in terms of um, they're tied up and not able to prescribe the medications they know would work. They're watching the remdesivir and the ventilators, you know, do more harm than good, but they're not aware of, of what the physicians who came before them did to help improve the lives of the vaccine injured children. Yes. They're not aware of the hyperbaric oxygen and the ozone therapy and the special diets and the detox and all the things that we developed, you know, together Mm -hmm. as a community Mm -hmm. for many years that were so impactful for the many of these children and some even to the point of recovery so yes, it's a different, uh, it's a horse of a different color, the corona um, injection, the COVID injection compared to the childhood vaccines. But uh, I think think there's lessons to be learned from yes. improved their health um, and what could, what could help now. So, but the two haven't met yet, it seems. Mm. Um, right. Robert Malone's <clears throat> and McCullough's are just incredibly brilliant men but they don't have a background in natural healing or they don't really uh, interact that much with the docs who spent decades learning Mm -hmm. how to detoxify a person from a vaccine injury and um, go through all the the steps. And so hopefully that'll come to pass. 
Yeah, Maureen, you are just brilliant because, you know, I'm I'm envisioning now either a series or one big conference and with your breakout rooms, breakout yeah. rooms, all you, all the injured people to get together and you get, yes. get the history and you meet and the doctors get together and they begin right. to understand, you know, um, and then you've got the attorneys maybe even getting together yes. to show what they've experienced and everybody getting together, hearing and understanding the politics and the policies that drove what happened and that whole corporate capture and then the overarching, you know, really we're in a place where um, public health and disease are being used in order to achieve other goals. They, they are just the tools to direct society one way or the other. I mean, and this has been talked about, you know, since mankind existed, people have manipulated with fear of disease to get what they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's never been done on a global scale like this before, but I, I love that. I love bringing all those um, entities together so that they can see. And like in Washington state, we saw a lot of mistakes happening um, where they were like with our own uh, board of health announcements would be made from the board of health. And because the new people had no idea the context of what was being discussed, they were making assumptions that weren't true. And it was causing huge viral. It started off as misunderstandings turned into misinformation. <laughs> and, and that doesn't, it, that doesn't look good for our side. No. You know? And, um, and if, if we don't learn from history, we're bound to repeat our bound mistakes. Bound to repeat you know? it. Right. Yeah. They understand the forces that captured what entities, what agencies in the history. And I still recommend people go watch 1986, The Act. Right. You know, um, Andy Wakefield's wonderful documentary told through the point of view of a husband and wife newly learned they're pregnant. She begins, as often is the case in these households, the mom begins to research uh, vaccines, and then they go on this journey, this historical journey. And I think it really is a great vehicle for understanding how since day one, public health decided that if you're going to have vaccines as a tool, you have to minimize perception of risk. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. And um, Carl Kanthak recently wrote about that in, in the new newspaper that started in Washington state and, and looking for distribution um, throughout the United States. It's called The Flame. Yeah. I, I had an article in there and so did you. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and the. Uh, oh, I, I scrolled and I forgot. OK, what was I going to say? <laughs> the Flame. Now, okay. Public health and. Uh, no. Oh, that's so funny. Sorry. I just completely. I'm sorry. Started. I no. interrupted your thought. What was his um, article about in the flame? Um, he didn't have an article. In oh. <laughs> okay. Somebody called the station, say, burn it up. This is the point you were heading yeah, right. toward. But yeah. Um, uh, anyway, I, I, it'll come back to me if it's important. I apologize, guys. You know, you know, it's so funny, Maureen, when, when I chose this time of day, for the, the show, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, there were certain blocks that were open. And at first it was in Washington, it's between the hours of three and five. Right. Well, that's nap time, right? Yeah. And, and, and now because I'm preparing for the show during nap time and then it starts at six. So I don't... 
And you're not uh, even drinking wine. I'm not even drinking wine yet. Just some black tea to try to keep me uh, focused. It'll come back. But you were talking about, you know, the politics and and the policies. And that's the other thing. I've been to Washington so many times with the parents of vaccine injured children. And I was there with Bobby Kennedy. I was there with Del Bigtree. And, you know, there's so many things. Mark Blacksold and Jen Larson, who started the Canary Party and the health choice uh, groups. And it's like there's so many lessons that they've learned that what to do and what not to do that would be so helpful in this new wave of, yes. you know, like the Senate hearing they had the other day with um, Senator Ron Johnson, where oh. they presented all that Department of Defense uh, medical information from the whistleblowers. And yeah. it was so fascinating. And again, the doctors spoke and the vaccine injured people spoke, but there was nobody there from um, from the, the folks who, who blazed the trail. That's- yeah. And Um, who saw it all coming and were shouting, this, you know, is where this could go if we don't stop it now. Um, You know, because it was, it it was a slow growth at first. It was, you know, like a weed, like a mold (laughs) growing and capturing and, you know, when money's involved, it became so systemic. I, on this radio show, listeners have heard me tell many times my own family experience with um, the corporate capture of the medical system with with standard of care that profited the hospital, but not the patient. And, um, you know, it's it's been a long time in coming. So well, th- I think this related. Uh, I mean, I think it was in your home state of Tennessee. Well, your new home state of Tennessee. Yeah. Where um, they formed that task force and found out exactly how much money is being poured in from the CARES Act. Oh, to- yes to school boards, to hospital administrations, to, mm-hmm. um, you know, a certain bonus. If the it's a positive PCR test in the hospital, then it's a bigger bonus. If they're given remdesivir, then it's a gigantic bonus for the ventilator, then a huge bonus if they die of COVID and, and that's in the hospital. And then there's all the millions coming into school boards only if they follow the mandates and the dictates mm-hmm. of the government mm-hmm. and same with county commissioners and, so, I mean, it's like once that cat's out of the bag, I don't I don't understand how um, anybody can not, you know, want to dive deeper into into what's yeah. going on, because like you say, money, money leads the way. Money leads the way. And that was A.J. DePriest and her team. Um, right. A.J. DePriest. Right. Doing yeah. a fan. I got to get her on this show. She's been yes. doing such a fantastic um, job and just staying laser focused. Right. And in a way, I sort of envy that because, you know, you and I, um, you know, running organizations and been in it a, a long time. We've got way too many um, hats in the air, <laughs> hats on our head or whatever the expression is. and. Um, and there's times when I feel like, you know, I just wish I could focus on one thing and do it really, really well yeah. instead of skimming the surface as it were. Um, I don't get to go in depth as much as I would like, but more and more people are stepping forward. And yes. I hope that is happening with you as well. Taking Absolutely. some of the load. Yeah, There are millions of us now. You yeah. Know, when we came up with that name, Millions Against Medical Mandates, there really, there wasn't a lot of talk about mandating vaccines for adults. Um, Dr. Sherry Tempany was the one who really pushed in that direction. 
But, um, you know, it's, it's not just vaccines. If, if we allow these mandates to move forward, we're talking about they could mandate birth control pills for women of a certain age. They could <clears throat> mandate antidepressants. You know, they could mm -hmm. mandate um, psychotropic drugs. Already 20% of our kids are on some sort of drug for anxiety and, and autism and, and um, ADHD. And so that could, you know, it's all about bumping up the sales and mm -hmm. if they can, you know, put out, if they can have this kind of influence on government and the creation of policies, then, you know, the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's really, um, it's a crazy upside down world right now. Yeah, it it really is. Um, but it's it's very exciting because you know I'm a Pollyanna, I'm a hopeless optimist. I I I, I feel like we are in a healing crisis, um, and unfortunately, you know, some people get hurt in a healing crisis. Right. And, you know, and we're doing everything we can to to try to mitigate the harm to to get people. Um, the information they need so they're not harmed by either COVID or the response to COVID, right? Right. They're both um, harmful. Uh, you know, I've never been one that denied that people are getting sick. <laughs> um, you know, something very real is, is happening. Um, but so let's, in our last few minutes that we have here, <clears throat> let's provide to, to listeners and viewers if you're new to this and you're all fired up and you want to learn more of the history so that you can learn from our experiences, and, I, and I'm actually pretty new to it. I entered in about 2015. Oh. I was somewhat aware, but <clears throat> I didn't become an activist until 2015. Um, so I'm actually rather a newbie, but I did enter, you know, five years before COVID. So <laughs> I had some experience. Um and then I did, I really did research some of the old ones. I mean, you know, the very first guest on an informed life radio was Dr. Andrew Wakefield. So okay. I was just thrilled that our first guest could, I could bring in, you know, one of our heroes who has, right. you know, faced an awful lot and given up an awful lot in order to continue to try to wake people up. So um, let's give people ideas. Of course, listeners, Informed Life Radio is a great place. Um, look for your state organization. <clears throat> and a good way to find some of them, you can either go to your go to try both. Children's Health Defense now has affiliates and um, some state chapters. So you can go look at childrenshealthdefense.org. Um Health Choice, um, healthchoice.org is another uh, national organization that has affiliates and you can find their listed friends and affiliates. You can find some state groups listed there. Um, <clears throat> and you can go to MAM, uh, Millions Against Medical Mandates, M-A-M-M.org. And you can look for resources and uh, people to reach out to there. Uh, Stand for Health Freedom. Um, is another good one. It, is that all spelled out? It's, I believe it's the words stand for health yes. freedom dot yeah. org. org, org or com. I think it's an org. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and and yeah, also, also, I think it's really important, especially these days, because we don't know what the future holds um, for people to reach out to their local communities you know, here in Asheville, we brought together all the leaders from the different health and freedom groups 
that were really doing wonderful things, but they didn't really know what each other was doing. Mm -hmm. And we got together and we had dinner and we talked about doing an event together, which we did. It was sold out. All the different groups had a, had a booth there and they looked around and they thought, wow, we're, we're doing great things individually, but look at what we're doing together. Yeah. And now we have uh, the Unity Web newsletter. We have a calendar. So the freedom groups are available. They're aware of what the Patriot groups are doing. The Patriot groups are aware of what the, all these different local groups are doing, their events, their projects. We can support each other. That's the key. It's like yes. we tend to, you know, just kind of go into our little um, cocoon with, you know, our our people mm-hmm. and forget that we're our secret weapon, honestly, on our side is our numbers and working together. So, um, but I would encourage people to reach out to their local Patriot groups and their local um, groups of like-minded individuals who are learning natural ways of healing, who are learning about uh, really what's going on with this injection, what's going on with the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and, you know, these globalists, elitists, whoever they are, insane evildoers, um, mm-hmm. and just really be aware of what's happening and and really um, find community and, and support within your local areas. Like tomorrow, I have a a Patriots group of, of, we've broken it down from the thousand that we get together for big meetings to people in individual communities um, and townships. So, you know, listen, we, we, I don't know how to grow my own food that well. I have little gardens, mm-hmm. but I want to know, I want to know the farmers. We have a freedom farmers market that, you know, this person does the beef and this one does the eggs and this one does the produce and this one has wood delivered. And, you know, there's just um, certain uh, things that we're going to need that we, we can't, we're not always available, not always um, equipped to mm-hmm. do ourselves. So it's really, there's so much to learn from each other. Yes. Yeah. And the more local you can um, act. Now, you are a really good organizer. Um, and that is one of the biggest challenges that I think a lot of communities are having, a lot of states are having. There are a lot of groups, but when trying to pull them all together to meet regularly, to discuss ideas can prove very challenging. Do you have any tips on how to best um, pull the leaders together and, and organize? Well, this is where my um, my grandmother hat comes in because I, I do have 12 grandchildren now. And I am of the mindset that people have to really go to the heart level where they they really need to connect and understand that this is so much bigger than who got the funding and what past grievances you have with that person. And you know, they took your executive director. And so, you know, it's like so far beyond all that. So we really have to, I encourage, like I did at the Asheville summit, um, listen, bring your best self to the table, your highest Mm -hmm. self to the table, whether you believe in ascension, going to 5D, whatever, we're being called on to be more compassionate, more loving. And that's the part that has to, um, of ourselves, we have to bring forward in order to collaborate. You can't collaborate with ego. Um, and, and so I, I really encourage people to just, yes, maybe it's awkward. Maybe you feel too bossy or whatever, but you have to encourage people to leave their ego at the door 
and collaborate for a higher purpose because we're not going to do this alone. We have to do this together. I think that's really good advice. And I think whenever possible meeting in person, you know, it's too easy to other the other person when, when the connection with them is only virtual. So yeah. So let's all gather together, learn from the long haulers. Um, Maureen McDonald, thank you so much for joining me today. We've run out of time here. We'll we'll talk to you again. Thank you. You've been listening to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with Kim, uh, Kimberly of the uh, nurse freedom network. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit children's health defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one solution. I need somebody to show me. Somebody to show me love. We need a revolution. 
Hello and welcome back to an informed live radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. In the last hour, we had the wonderful Maureen McDonald. If you if you missed it, go back and, and watch the beginning later on or, or find the podcast. Um, our next hour, we have another nurse. Um, her name is Kim Overton, and we'll go ahead and bring her on here. I actually don't have her her bio, I'm hoping she's uh, logged in here. She is with Nurse Freedom Network. You okay, were in the hospital see. working as a nurse and you were seeing mm -hmm. patients being given protocols that you felt were doing more harm than good, namely right, remdesivir. Yeah. The remdesivir, right? Correct. And I mean, the remdesivir also, it's a very, it's very costly. Uh, the, the medication, the cost of that medication, it's usually between 2500 to 3500 per um, course. It's, it's course is typically about a five-day um, course of that medication. So very expensive. And what's interesting about it is that the, um, the World Health Organization actually advises against using it because it doesn't work. It's not effective. Uh, not effective in treating COVID. There's actually been several physicians that have spoken out, you know, saying that it actually increases the mortality rate and it causes a decrease in renal function around, in around 20% of the patients. Personally, I believe that number is likely a lot higher than that. Um, but recently, a massive global study of remdesivir effectiveness that was actually run by the WHO um, showed that remdesivir had little or no impact and hospitalized patients contradicting previous trials. So, you know, this why are hospitals still using this medication that is clearly doing more harm than good? You know, yeah, that's, that's exactly. One of the reasons I left. One of the reasons that you left. Can you name some other? Um... Yeah, I mean, just I couldn't continue to work at the bedside. You know, they're, they're telling us, you know, COVID is killing patients, but is it? Is COVID killing patients, or is it the complete and total medical mismanagement of COVID that's killing them? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, personally, I believe that it's the latter. I believe that you know, if COVID alone were killing these patients, why then are we not pulling bodies out of homes and out of uh, off of the streets and mass? You know, mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is, patients aren't dying at home; they're dying in the hospitals. Um, and for myself, I just couldn't watch, you know, one more patient needlessly die, you know, knowing what I do, that there is safe, effective medication and treatment out there, just safe, effective, affordable medication mm -hmm. um, and by the means of repurposed therapeutics. You know, yes. medications that despite what mainstream media will tell you um, have been safely used in humans for three decades, you know, have mm -hmm. a higher safety profile than an aspirin. Um, yes. So knowing that, you know, I, I just, I could not continue on. How, how did you feel when you read that the FDA began warning people stop taking horse dewormer? I mean, what were your thoughts mm -hmm. as a nurse knowing that it's a human medicine, knowing right. that it won Nobel Prize for saving human lives? Um, yeah. Did that, I, I just, you know, I knew that the FDA was, corrupted entering this right. but it must have been quite a shock to you to like what are they saying <laughs> it, it really was it's and it's it's just maddening and it's maddening to watch it happen but what's worse is that when you're watching physicians and other nurses who should know better and they're just kind of going along and i mean it's it's 
you know, I don't know what's more frightening. Is it that they are just complicit in the lie or that they don't know better when they should? And I just don't know which of those, you know, is more frightening. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's absolutely maddening. And I don't care. You can go round and round with these people and you can show them the data that, you know, this has been safely used for three decades. It's won a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, um, we we can just say it over and over again. and it doesn't matter. It's just the narrative is just the same. It's a, a horse dewormer, you know, right. um, and it's just, you, you just get nowhere with them. Um, but the the results that I have personally witnessed, um, you know, have in my own clinical experience, I mean, the, it's been astounding. It's been absolutely astounding. And people can dismiss, you know, those results as anecdotal all they want. You know, but the fact of the matter is that the vast majority of patients that are treated and receive early intervention with these safe and effective repurposed therapeutics like ivermectin, like hydroxychloroquine, they, they typically are greatly improved within as few as 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we are, and I talked with our last guest about this, um, we're really in a war of words, a, a war of language, of marketing, um, perception. And, you know, what I find fascinating is no amount of truth and data. Well, I mean, it, it, I shouldn't say no amount because I believe we are having, making a difference. We are impacting. I mean, Pfizer has now pulled their request for emergency use authorization with six month old to four year olds. Um, And there have been other, other things revealed and probably other things halted because of the increased public outcry against them. Um, but until the political will is there until like, especially like in the medical industry, until there is that will within a hospital system to change, nothing will change. Facts won't make it change. Everything is set up to support the standard of care, which is directed and controlled really by the pharmaceutical industry to to serve them to serve the bottom line of the hospital not the bottom line of the patient <laughs> right right this is you what know, has yeah. evolved exactly and we've you know there's been issues in hospitals with staffing issues and safe you know safe staffing for years these are things that have long plagued our industry um mm-hmm. but i don't think until all of this i mean it was really a wake-up call for me personally like i just couldn't i couldn't believe it um I've no, i'm not anti-vax you know in the least bit, I've had all of my vaccines. My child had had all of his vaccines. So, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not anti-vax per se, but I can tell you that after this, I, I don't know that I would ever receive another vaccine as, you know, just having seen what I've seen now. Um, because, you know, I, I've always been very pro-vaccine throughout my entire nursing career. And now when I'm thinking back on it, you know, I'm like, well, why was I so pro-vaccine? Because I was told to be pro-vaccine, you know, and I'm advising parents to get these vaccinations. Um, And shame on me because, you know, I didn't know exactly what was in these vaccines. You know, I didn't dig that deep into them. Um, All I know is that I am trusting that my colleagues that are, you know, 
that are in that realm that I'm trusting their expertise and I am trying to pass that along um, to my patients and, you know, shame mm-hmm. on me for not digging deeper and that won't happen again. I can assure you of that. Yeah. Well, that is really one of the silver linings of this COVID chaos is there are a lot of people in the medical field who are seeing for the first time what it is us crazy anti-vaxxers as we are called, right. you know, most of the people in the vaccine safety reform, medical freedom movement, federal oversight agency reform movement, we didn't start off saying never, you know, there are some people who've never given their children vaccine. The vast majority in this movement saw their their child or they themselves experienced a vaccine injury. And then they began down the rabbit hole to understand really what was going on and what was not happening, learned about the 1986 Act, learned that no, did you know this, Kimberly? Did you know that not a single vaccine on the CDC's recommended pediatric schedule has ever been tested against a saline placebo? Not one. No, I did not know that. Yeah. Not a single one. It's a it's sort of a pyramid scheme because the very first ones were, were were not tested against saline placebo. You know the early ones, the DPT and the MMR, and then the next vaccines that came along, they either had no control group, MMR had no control group, or they used an earlier vaccine as the comparator and called it the placebo. Yeah. And even sometimes when it was a, it was a new vaccine for like a new illness that never had one, they still would use another vaccine. There's now like a a vaccine out there. It's an eight in one or nine in one shot. And they didn't use a control group or a saline placebo. They gave the control group nine injections or a combination of injections that were nine shots. Right. So and then they would come out and say it's um, there were no more adverse um, events in the contr- in the you know in the vaccine arm as there was in the control arm. Right. Wow. And you get to the doctor's office, and the parent is told, "Oh no, it it it, it was just as safe as the control group." That's that's all they would be told, right? Right. Um, and you know, all built upon each other. And and the other thing that I, I pointed out in the last hour. With the with with a vaccine injury, especially with a child, it didn't it happened in isolation. It was a parent, a child, a doctor, and sometimes the delay between seeing the injury, it was it wasn't most of the time it wasn't immediately in the doctor's office. It was a few hours or a few days later, sometimes a couple of weeks later, or it was this slow decline of the child um, developmentally after each exposure. And that's so much easier to high and deny than the massive amount of harm being seen with the rollout of the COVID shot. So you could hide that. You could shame the mothers into not speaking up. Um, You know, the children, the CDC schedule today has um, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler of IPAC. He researched the amount of aluminum a child is exposed to in the first year of life if they follow the CDC schedule, they're in aluminum toxicity for the first year of their life because the CDC has never done studies on the full schedule for how much aluminum a child is being exposed to, right? Things like that. So welcome to my world. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I, I feel like, and I know we touched on that when we spoke earlier in the week that, you know, once your eyes are opened, you know, you just, you can't unsee the things that you see. Um, mm-hmm. 
And it's something that I'm really having, you know, kind of a hard time processing it because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, you know, I, you know, had been recommending these vaccines and not, you know, fully realizing and just trusting. And I feel like that's where a lot of these nurses are today. Um, but it, and I just want to shake people because I'm like, how, how can you not see it? You know, mm-hmm. how can you not see it? Is and, and unfortunately yeah. they're, they're not, um, but yeah, once I feel like once those eyes are opened, you, there's no going back. There's no going back. And, yeah. and, you know, it's not that you, yeah, everything just needs, everything needs to change. And, and this um, crippling capture of our health by the pharmaceutical and medical industry has, has got to come to an end. It's, yeah. it's the biggest industry on the planet. It's the most profitable industry on the planet. Um, so, and they, they've captured the media and they've captured a public health system. So, you know, but we've got the power of, you know, the human spirit and truth and angels on our side. So we can do this. We can do this. Okay. So Kimberly, let's move forward. So tell me about the day you decided you're going to just step away. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I was 18 months. I worked through that pandemic for 18 months directly caring for these COVID patients. Um, you know, all through it, literally, you know, nothing made any logical sense to me, which is another reason I was ready to step away. It was like every new COVID policy that would come out just seemed to fly in the face of basically everything that we had always known to be true, um, you know, about infection control. So here we are wearing the same N95 mask, you know, for multiple shifts. Uh, we're, we're caring for COVID patients and non-COVID patients, and we're going from room to room with the same mask on. So that's something that didn't, you know, doesn't occur in, um, with infection control policies typically. So it's all, it's just none of it's making any sense to us, you know, about immunology. You know, when we have long known that we actually need exposure to viruses and bacteria, and these are literally the building blocks of our immune system, all of a sudden it's like we can never, you know, have any type of exposure put your mask on all the time, you know, no, no exposure to germs. Um, that just never made sense. And then just nursing practice in general, you know, autonomy, informed consent, all of those guiding principles of ethical nursing suddenly seems to be just so easily dismissed and just nothing made sense. Um, so I decided to leave the bedside. I actually took the job working from home um, as a telephone triage nurse. You know, I had the perfect setup. I was able to go to work in my pajamas. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was perfect. It was great. Um, and then around, you know, June or July, I guess it was, um, I felt like I started to hear, you know, about some of the hospitals uh, locally that when it was mostly the not-for-profit facilities that were talking about giving their employees, you know, an ultimatum either receive this experimental jab or, you know, just be fired. No allowance for exemptions, no discussion. Um, And one of the facilities, the first facilities that I had heard that from was actually a medical center in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Now, I'm a WKU grad, Western Kentucky University, so I had done my clinicals there, and I had actually, you know, begun my nursing career at that hospital. So at that point, it started to become personal for me because, you know, these are my colleagues and these are my friends. Um, And I'm starting to see that they are coming out um, and and their jobs are being threatened uh, for not wanting to take this vaccine. So at that point, I just, I knew I had to speak out. I knew I had to say something. 
Um, and I recognized it for what it was early on. I mean, this is medical tyranny, and that's just plain and simple. That's all that it is. Um, and I recognized that early on. So in July of 2021, um, I actually started a private Facebook group. Just, you know, it's called, it was called Health Care Workers United Against Tyranny. And really, it was just never meant to be anything more than just some place for you know, myself and my colleagues to just kind of get together and vent our frustrations. Um, and then it just quickly evolved from there. You know, I changed the name of the group um, to Nurse Freedom Network. And then in August, uh, we started to just protest at local hospitals. We started to protest the vaccine mandates. And it just, it really just started to quickly grow. You know, I established the organization as a 501c3 um, back in October of last year. And, you know, we continue to grow. We have registered nurses now um, that are building advocacy teams in 14 states. We're adding new states every day. Um, so it's, it's been incredible to watch just the, the organic growth that has occurred. And it's been pretty I mean, exponentially in the last just couple of months. I've, I've had the opportunity to speak at events, you know, with physician, world-renowned physicians like, you know, Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Pierre Corey, um, mm-hmm. you know, Dr. Richard Urso, John Witcher, Dr. Gessling. I mean, just and so many others. These doctors are heroes. You know, every one of them, um, they're risking everything for the, the sake of humanity. I just, I just so greatly admire these, um, these physicians. Um, I got to be part of the, the Defeat the Mandates March out in D.C. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. I'm going to be um, speaking at the rally in California. So, you know, everything has happened really quickly. Um, going to California, we're like literally going right into the belly of the beast out there. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and, and tell me, because that's newly announced. It's, it's at March 4th? Yeah. Um, it's March 5th. It's March 5th. March 5th. It's going to be, yeah, it's like a one-day event where we're going to have um, the speakers, many of those early treatment docs, and a lot of the speakers, American Frontline Nurses will be there, Nicole Surtech. Um, my, my organization will be there, Nurse Freedom Network. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, other musicians and artists will be there as well. Uh, and then on the 6th, which is really exciting, is we're going to um, launch the, the trucker convoy. Um, the U.S. Oh, truckers. Yeah. I thought that they so, were um, launching, I thought they were launching this Saturday. Well, I think, I guess they are. I don't know, but we're going to kind of see them off from, from that event from Los Angeles okay. as they head to D.C. So, yeah, we're super excited about that. That is very exciting. I'm going to, mm-hmm. um, I just found the, the website real quick. I'm going to jump over and see if I can grab some information. Sure. So maybe people can, um, there we see uh, defeat the mandates. It's, it's mm-hmm. so the website is the same as it was in DC as far as the address defeat the mandates dc.com. But now on the homepage, they show March 5th, 2022, Southern yeah. California location to be announced. Join us. Let's see. Are they, do they have a way to sign up already to say you're going to be there? Um, yeah, you can let them know you're coming and I guess just, uh, stand by for more details. Um, yeah, there's about- some more details being announced here in the next you know, day or so. Um, but yeah, we're really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so much has just, you know, happened and really quickly, um, but as I was, you know, working and doing my telephone triage job, you know, that was, it was great. It was a perfect, I was actually exempted from the mandate because I'm considered a 100% work from home employee. So I was mm-hmm. exempted, um, which, which was fantastic. Um, 
but what I was not exempted from, though, is the, you know, the moral distress that you start to feel because, you know, in the absence of safety data and with negligible risk, um, I could not in good conscience, I could not recommend vaccination of otherwise healthy children, mm-hmm. you know, against a virus with a 99.9815 or whatever percent survival rate. I mean, that's just absurd. And, you know, it, in my opinion, it should be criminal mm-hmm. to even consider vaccinating these children uh, with, with that negligible risk and with, uh, without any state long-term safety data. You know, we, we had protocols that we would follow on our calls. You know, we had scripting, which I always hated mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm not a robot. I always have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody were to call and ask about these shots, you know, our, our protocol is that, yes, they're safe and effective, period. When we, wow. have, you know, yes. Period? That's it? Safe and effective, period. Not, um, not even the caveats that are in the fact sheet that you're, they're no, required by law. No, no yeah. safe and effective. Um, and I wow. have a problem with that because these shots have been shown to be anything but safe and effective. You know, yeah. and the fact is that, you know, the fact remains that we just have no idea what the long-term effects of these mRNA vaccines will be because there haven't been any long-term studies, mm-hmm. you know, so... You know, and I had gotten pretty lucky and that I hadn't gotten very many of those phone calls. Actually, I hadn't gotten any of those phone calls, um, you know, until I did. And it, uh, it just yeah. it took literally just one phone call, one phone call for me to realize that this just wasn't going to work. You know, I, I was asked by a parent if they needed to vaccinate their child. Um, it was this child had actually just recovered from COVID. Um, and let me just tell you, I went way off script. I went way off script. I started talking about things like antibodies, and I started talking about natural immunity. You know, all of these things um, that we weren't all of a, we were all of a sudden, you know, we're not allowed to speak about these things. They're all of a sudden taboo. Um, even though you know studies have proven time and again that we've not long known to be true that natural mm-hmm. immunity is durable, complete, and robust. Yes. So, you know, after this phone call, I, I just, I started, I was losing sleep at night. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did not tell, the, I, I didn't advise the parent to vaccinate a child, but I knew that if they ever pulled that call for review, I was either getting fired or I was going to get reprimanded, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I realized that I just couldn't do it. There was no way. It was going to be a matter of time before another call came in. Um so I made the difficult decision, you know, to mm-hmm. to resign my position um, rather Good than advise a parent to vaccinate their child. Because, yeah. you know, I'd already seen too much just in my own personal clinical experience mm-hmm. as far as side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So despite the fact, you know, I didn't have the financial provisions to do that. I'm just a nurse. I didn't have any, like, you know, provisions to do this. Um, but I decided to, you know, just pretty much focus on growing Nurse Freedom Network, dedicating mm-hmm. myself fully to this fight for freedom. Um, and also, to, you know, to those who have been seriously injured, you know, and, and to family members, families who have lost loved ones to this vaccine. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, I've met some some of the most amazing people I have met, and I've made so many new friends on this journey. It's been, it's been incredible, you know, and one of those, those new friends um, that I made, you know, Ernest Ramirez, I'm, I'm sure you know who Ernest is. Um, and, uh, you know, Ernest lost his only son. He lost his only son, Ernesto Jr. He was just 17 years old, you know, and I'm not going to get too deep into that story. You know, it's not my story to tell, 
Um, but I would encourage people, especially parents, you know, to just um, to research, research Ernest Ramirez, you know, and support him any way that you can. He he's he's amazing. He's dedicated his entire life, um, as many you know many of you have, um, to ensuring, you know, that that no other parent has to endure the grief and pain that he's left with, you know, every day, and that no mm-hmm. other child is going to be harmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's pretty mm-hmm. much you know what I really want to get and dedicate myself to. Um, these these people who have been discarded, you know, and they are in many cases shamed, ridiculed, and bullied, and that just isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, as nurses, you know, we need to be standing for these people. We need to be advocating for autonomy and informed consent um, for patients. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if we're not standing in the gap for these people, you know, who who will stand for them? Mm-hmm. You know, in many cases, we are their last line of defense, and that is a responsibility that I take very seriously. Oh, amen. I just, and I'm so encouraged that across the country, springing up our little clinics um, filled yeah. with wonderful nurses and doctors just like you who have that deep moral sense, that deep ethical, uh, medical ethics. Um, you know, um, my hat's off to you. I'm just, I'm just so thrilled of, of what you're doing. And I know it's, it's, you're, you're motivated by something that's probably at times keeps you up at night. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. want to encourage you, you know, a, a lot of people entered this journey, as I said, because they either had, you know, they had uh, children that were hurt or they were hurt themselves. And then we have doctors and nurf- nurses who entered who had to go through what, what you're going through and realizing um, the mistakes you made in the past, but not knowing, yeah. just acting right. right. We all have to learn to forgive ourselves for choices made in the past when we didn't know better. Right. And that makes us, I think, really humble move, moving forward. Cause when we meet other people that are making choices that we feel they should know better, we, yeah. we stop and say, now, wait a minute. I was we that person so many that. years exactly. ago, right? I didn't know exactly. I wasn't listening. I was ignoring my instincts and whatever. So um, just know that you're not alone. And, um, and you know, what you're doing is, is so fantastic. I, I wanted to point out yesterday there was this in Washington state, there was a technical advisory group meeting for the Department of Health, and they were looking at COVID shot data in order to eventually make a recommendation for or against COVID shots required for school in Washington state. And one of the slides that was put forward, um, this was by somebody presenting um, the Paul G. Allen School for Global Health, College of Veterinary Medicine. I don't know why College of Veterinary Medicine, but in order to put the COVID shots in context, they wanted to show um, the conditions of, of what things were like before other shots were recommended and then required for school, okay, to, to show how bad COVID is compared to what we already recommend shots for. Um, and so when hepatitis A shot was added to the CDC recommended, recommended schedule, um, on average, between 1990 and 1995, um, is this pediatric? Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, pediatric. 
so 18 under 18, there were on average three deaths a year to hepatitis A before it was recommended um, for the um, wow. to be put on the schedule. For meningococcal ACWI, there were eight pediatric deaths a year before it was added. Uh, varicella, chickenpox, there were 16 on average. Rubella, there were 17 deaths a year. And I don't mean to demean, to, to belittle any death. A death is a death. A loss yeah. is a loss. Sure, but yeah. Um, yeah, rotavirus, there were 20. So, and, and again, as I said earlier, no saline placebo, true controlled randomized trials for any of these products. And um, you just wonder, was there a better way to eliminate even all of these deaths without undermining a parent's choice to have natural immunity for their child or to avoid the risks of skewing their immune system and you know the allergies, the autoimmune diseases that are skyrocketing, mostly from the aluminum exposure and all these other things, you know. Um, and then they say COVID-19 had six, has had 66 um, deaths um, in a year. So public health and the vaccine paradigm program already knew that it took very few deaths to push a mandate on children. The, the need for it didn't necessarily have to be there. Um, and of course, no mention of mandating or requiring or educating on, gosh, why did these children succumb, succumb in the past in the United States with good water, nutrition, and medical care? Why did they succumb? Were they low in vitamin A or D? You know, for measles, those are the two things you really need is, is A and D. And the same for what? COVID. <laughs> um, so, okay, we've, for the last bit here, I really want you to talk about Nurse Freedom Network. I want you to tell people how they can support you and where they can go. I'm gonna go ahead and share that website again so people can yeah. see. I, I did that when we were trying to get your audio connected there. Mm -hmm. um, Nurse Freedom Network, there we go. Oh, I'm, I'm on the, um, you go to the homepage. Are you seeing it yeah. there? I yeah, love that um, nurse. Yeah. So it's um, nursefreedomnetwork.org um, is the website. And uh, we're, we're very active. We're on um, all kinds of social media. I'm probably most active on Facebook. I've got to learn how to branch out to these other, you know, I'm trying to get on, you know, TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, but, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s. So, you know, that's kind of all past <laughs> we're working on. <laughs> I've got 20 years on you, honey. <laughs> Oh, you don't look it. So there's <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so Facebook is probably my my most active platform. Um, we do have a, a fundraiser, and I'll, I will go ahead and get that kind of – I need to actually link that to the website because it's not on there right now. But we have okay. a um, Give Butter, and I've got it um, on my Facebook page, and I'm going to put a post up there. Absolutely, I'll put the link in to donate. Okay, good. Um, good. Yeah, I'll put that at the top of the page. And this is a, is this a Christian-based fundraising site, you know, that won't so, be 
taking the yeah. money away from you. Right. It's, <laughs> it's not GoFundMe. That's for sure. We will not be using yeah. GoFundMe. But I've actually heard now. So I have the Give Butter, and then the other one is the Give Send Go, which I've been thinking about switching over to that one um, because I just hear some such wonderful things about this, and they actually pray for you um, for your your cause. They will have people call and pray with you, and that's amazing, right? Wow. So yeah. absolutely, we're going to go ahead and do that. So. You know, because more more than donate. I mean, well, we need the donations. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, we absolutely need the donations. But I mean, more than that, the prayers are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. so, we're in a so spiritual war in many yeah. aspects, oh, right? Gosh, yeah. It's yeah. it's an energetic war. We all really feel that. But I feel like um, the energy is about to erupt into a whole lot of light and goodness. You know, we yeah. all keep going Oh, the tide together. is turning. I can feel it. I can feel yeah. that, you know, it's it's turning and this movement is going to be absolutely incredible. Yeah. So tell me some of the things that the Nurse Freedom Network are, are going to do. So you're sure. obviously pulling all people together so that you've got this sense of community. What sort of actions mm-hmm. will be taken? Yeah. So what we're going to be doing, we do advocacy and we know it's about empowering. It's about nurses getting together and empowering individuals through, you know, education, information, education, and, and advocacy. So not only just advocacy, advocating, you know, beyond the advocacy part of it, because, you know, yeah, there's always going to be the fight, but it's not always going to be right there at the forefront. Um, and we, we understand that, but we think that we need to focus on um, getting people well and getting away from this broken and oppressive I refer to it now as the sick care system. It's not a health care mm-hmm. system. It is a sick care system. It does nothing to keep anybody well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, personally, I feel like we need to just let this system burn to the ground. That's where it needs to go. It is unsustainable and it's unfixable. You know, we there's mm-hmm. nothing that we can do to fix this. Um, I know that lots of nurses are talking about going to march on, you know, on Washington. There was some talk about capping nurses' salary, which... I don't agree with by any means at all. And I don't, I believe in the free market. I don't believe in capping anybody's salary. Um, but I don't agree with that particular March. Um, while I think all of those things, say staffing, all of that is important. Um, at this moment in time, I think that we need to prioritize. And if we're not standing for autonomy and informed consent, honestly, what else matters? Mm-hmm. None of those things matter. And to mm-hmm. me, it's just like going, and I did a piece on Substack about this. It's very, it didn't go over that well with the nurses, but you know, it is what it is. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I feel like we need to prioritize. And I feel like in this moment in time, this is what we need to do. It's, it's like we're having this victim mentality. Like we keep going back to our abuser and saying, I know that we've been asking you for decades for, you know, more pay and safer staffing, um, but we think that this time you'll you'll do right by us. They're not going to. We need mm-hmm. to just walk away. We need to take our knowledge, our skills, our passion, and we need to take it away from this uh, broken and oppressive system. And we need to build up something, you know, alongside of it that is actually going to focus on true patient-centered care, um, taking mm-hmm. care of these patients and taking care of ourselves. Let's focus on, you know, better... Um, better health, boosting our immune health, that's going to be our best defense against COVID-19 or any other virus that we can expect to see. 
Yeah, I, you know, back when my mom and pop were having health issues, I, I just dreamed of a hospital that was so healing. People actually wish they'd get sick so they could go to the hospital. You walk right. in and like Ted, Dr. Ted Fogarty wants waiting rooms. So they're just giant H-bots. So you walk in and you're immediately being um, your health improved by this, this oxygen and yeah. and then gentle music and no beeping to wake you up in the middle of the night yeah. and and organic bone broth and greens and everything just tailor-made you know aromatherapy if appropriate just yeah. a, a, a place of healing but i tell you a healthy person checking into the hospital you stay there a week you're yeah. going to need hospital care because you can't you sleep. The food is bad. They're going to give exactly. you drugs that are going to undermine your immune system. Uh, forget exactly. about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's depressing. I was, I always like to say, you know, I was an ICU nurse and it's like, you're just constantly, and this is pre COVID where it was the most depressing because you're constantly surrounded by just, you know, what I call disease and despair. Um, mm -hmm. And, and what's so depressing about it is that, you know, about 80, probably 85 to 90% of these you know, things that we're treating these patients for are all preventable, preventable with lifestyle modifications. It doesn't need to be that way. And I really want, you know, our nurses, our network of nurses to just, you know, I want to create opportunities for these nurses to get away from this broken system. Let's focus on bettering this system for our patients, but for ourselves as well. You know, mm -hmm. we, we can guide our patients to this optimal level of immune health and also ourselves. Nurses are not known for being the healthiest individuals. We work mm -hmm. ridiculous 12-hour shifts. We don't sleep right. We don't hydrate well. We don't eat right, you know, because of um, the nature of our job. So I mm -hmm. think that by changing the environment, we can make a real difference for not only wow. our patients, but for ourselves. And that's what I really want to focus on. Wow. I love that. It's like the theme of this show is we need this revolution of health. And you're talking yeah. about, and, mm -hmm. you know, as a consumer of like somebody who would go find a good nurse or a good doctor, I'm so loving this. You're like an answer to my prayers and my family prayers. We're all looking for people like you to build the new way forward. Right. Um, this is so we exciting, Kimberly. Yeah. yeah. This, this is really exciting. Now, um, are there places in existence yet established that you know? Yeah, there. I mean, there are different, you know, and and this is the thing is that you know there are there have been long been you know functional medicine practices. These are practices that have been around for years, but but have been discredited, you know, by the yeah. traditional system. So a lot of people, you know, if you start talking about functional medicine, they call them quacks or whatever they because they've been so brainwashed. I hate to you know say the word, but that's what it is by mm -hmm. our mainstream media and by you know this. Um, for profit healthcare system that we have, um, that to to discredit these these doctors who have really not done anything wrong, but just wanted to focus on health and wellness, and somehow yeah. that's seen as a negative, and I I can't understand it. Um, but I'm so gonna yeah, be, like I said I'm going to be part of the solution moving forward. Yeah, and I can really see one of the major areas that need to be addressed. And, um, and there are already some things that have come up to address it is being able to afford it because yeah. a lot of these have to step away from the insurance industry complex because they Correct. support big medicine, which supports big pharma. They're like a trio right. that work together. And so, you know, I might be able to afford some out-of-pocket expenses to go to one of these special clinics, but um, not everybody can afford that. So I think, but there are some different independent insurance um, 
most of them are like uh, religious-based or Christian-based health share right. things that you can join into and based on income. So there are there is going to be a way forward. And I hear um, the music yeah. playing, so we're going to have to go. Okay. We had a rough start and a fantastic yeah. finish, Kimberly. And I'm Thank going to have you. you back again. Bless yes, you. Absolutely. Take care. You as Thank well. Thank you. you so much. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to An Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be back next week. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.